Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you today. And uh, thanks to Brian for his warm welcome over to Saintfield. And uh, I'm sure we've been enjoying the good weather. And uh, I've been hearing about the ventures that you've been having with the boys and girls and have yet to have. And it's a great time for evangelizing them. And so we pray that the Lord will bless uh, his word in that way over the next weeks. Now let's just bow together before the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to thee this morning and we come to praise thy name and to worship thee. We thank you, Lord, for thy greatness and majesty. And yet we thank you that thou art the God who cares for us poor mortals, the one who knows our name and knows every part of our being and every need that we have and every burden that we carry. And Lord, we pray, O God, that you would come by your Spirit this morning and bless our souls and speak to us, Father, from your Word. We pray that we might hear your voice. There's so many things that we hear in these days in which we live, and yet we pray that There might be a stillness this morning that we might hear what God the Lord would say to us. Continue with us now and bless us while we wait on thee for Christ's sake. Amen. Now I want to read with you this morning from the book of Psalms and Psalm number 48. Psalm number 48 is what we want to read this morning. We'll commence at the first verse and read through the psalm. It says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God in the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion. On the sides of the north, the city of the great king. God is known in her palaces for a refuge. For lo, the kings were assembled, they passed by together. They saw it and So they marveled, they were troubled, and hasted away. Fear took hold upon them there, and pain as a woman in travel. Thou breakest the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. As we have heard, so have we seen in the city of the Lord of hosts. In the city of our God, God will establish it forever. Selah. We have thought of thy loving kindness, O God, in the midst of thy temple. According to thy name, O God, so is thy praise unto the ends of the earth. Thy right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of thy judgments. Walk about Zion and go Round about her, tell the towers thereof. Mark ye well her bulwarks, consider her palaces, that ye may tell it to the generation following. For this God is our God, forever and ever. He will be our guide, even unto death. We know that God will add his blessing to the reading of his holy truth for his name's sake. It's very interesting reading through the Psalms 
that many of the Psalms have the name of the writer and maybe a little piece uh, about why or to whom the Psalm was written. But this Psalm 48, the author is not made known to us, neither the date is given to us in which it was written. My, it's a song of worship and thanksgiving that we can establish, and it uh, records the withdrawal of certain confederate kings from Jerusalem. Down the psalm there, in, uh, in verse 7, the ships of Tarshish are mentioned, and that might tell us that the psalm was written in connection with the over. Uh, the overthrow of Ammon, of Moab, and Edom in the reign of Jehoshaphat. And those are probably the only clues that we have. But it's what that's written is the important thing. And we find as we look at this psalm, it's a song of praise to God for the overthrow of the people's enemies. Their enemies had been overthrown, and the psalmist pens this great psalm. It begins with thanksgiving. That's the first thing that I'll put down here. The thanksgiving of the psalmist comes before us. And in verse 1 here, he praises God for his, for his greatness. He praises God for uh, his mercy and, 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 and his wisdom and his knowledge and And he's praising God. He's praising God and singing praises uh, to his name. As you read down the psalm, you find that he praises God for his royalness. In verse 2, the city of the great king. He praises God for his protectiveness. In verse 3, he's a refuge for his people. In verse 7, he praises God for his powerfulness. In verse 9, for his loving kindness. And in verse 10, for his righteousness. And the thing is, friends, that you and I, my, we ought to be a people of praise. And I'm sure that as we would think about praising the Lord, we can praise the Lord for so many things. We can praise the Lord for his love. His love is everlasting love. We can praise the Lord My, that his love never changes. It's unchanging love. We can praise the Lord for his mercy. His mercies are new every morning. We can praise the Lord for his wisdom. It's infinite. We can praise the Lord for his knowledge. He knoweth all things. And we can praise the Lord for his power. And we could go on and on and on. And there's there's never a shortage of things to praise the Lord for. I remember many years ago when a, a, a young person, a young Christian, had just come to faith in Christ, and he came to his pastor and he says, Pastor, you know, I've tried so often in the prayer meeting to pray, but I get stuck, he says, and I, 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 I really can't get started. And the pastor said to him, he said, well, he said, you know, If you start praising the Lord, you'll have no bother getting started to pray. He says, that's how you need to start praying. 
Start praising the Lord. Praise the Lord for saving your soul. Praise the Lord for keeping you each day. Praise the Lord for his word. And we could go on and on and on. And by the psalmist begins this psalm with thanksgiving. We see the thanksgiving the psalmist makes here. When we go down the psalm to verse 9, it says this. We have thought of thy loving kindness, O God, in the midst of the temple. And we see here now the psalmist turns from thanksgiving to the thoughts of the psalmist. He says, we have thought of thy loving kindness, O God, in the midst of the temple. You know, our thought life, friends, my, it should be a blessing to us. My, uh, uh, our mind is filled with thoughts. I'm sure there's maybe millions of thoughts go through our mind every day. Every day. My, in Psalm 104, 34, it says, My meditation of him shall be sweet. We think of the Lord does thoughts about him fill our mind. In Isaiah 26, we read, My thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose thoughts or whose mind is stead upon thee. And Paul, writing to the Galatians, said, Set your affections or set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. And you see, friends, that can purify our mind. The thoughts that we have in our mind can either purify our mind or defile our mind. And if we let the things of God and the things of Christ fill our mind, my, it'll be sweet. So he talks here about the thoughts of the psalmist. And then when we come down to the end of the psalm, after he has underlined all these things about God, he says this, for this God, the God that he has been talking about in the psalm, the God he has been praising, the God he has been thinking about, he says, for this God is our God forever and forever. He will be our guide even unto death. You see, friends, my, this is the trust of the psalmist. So we have the, the thanksgiving of the psalmist and the thoughts of the psalmist. And here we come to the trust of the psalmist. Because as he thinks and meditates and praises God for all that he has done for him, he says, this God is our God forever and ever and will be our guide unto death. You know, he's trusting in God to guide him right through life to the very moment of death. We see here the assurance, this God is our God. He's absolutely sure about that. He says, forever and ever, that's the permanence that's here. What he's saying is, this God will always be our God. He never ceased to be our God. No matter how dark the day may be or how hopeless the situation, my God will always be God. He'll always be there. He'll be our God forever and forever. There's not only an assurance here and a permanence here, but my, there's guidance here. My, the God that saved us 
will keep us and he'll guide us through the wilderness until the journey's over. If you just turn over for a moment uh, to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. And this is a great uh, psalm of the history of Israel. And up there in uh, verse uh, 52 it says, But made his own people, it's all about what God has done for his people in the past, but made his own people to go forth like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. And he led them on safely so that they feared not, but the sea overwhelmed their enemies. He led them on safely, but the sea overwhelmed their enemies. He led them on, friends. And you know, friends, as we uh, come to this psalm this morning, we want to think about the God that is our God. We want to see this God, and we see this God in the Scriptures. My Daniel uh, chapter 11 reads, The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And you'll find as you go through your Bible that the Lord, uh, our God, is referred to at different times and he's given different names. And we want to learn about God this morning and we want to learn about him by how he's described through his names. I'm calling this the God of the Bible. That's who this is. My other people in the world have other gods. There's never different kinds of gods, even in the scriptures itself. We read about the heathen and the Moabites and the, and the, and the false teachers, and, and they have different gods. But, but our God is the God of the Bible. And that's the God that we come to praise this morning. And that's the God who will always be our God. He never ceased to be our God, the God of the Bible. And that's the God, friends, that we can trust and turn to in every situation in life. Now, I'll not be able to get through all this this morning, but I'm just going to take three titles that belong to God this morning. And in these three titles, we'll see the God that we can trust, the God of the Bible. And I trust that it'll bring strength and it'll, it'll bless our souls today. This God is our God forever and forever. If you just turn to Psalm 77, which is just a, a page or two back there. Psalm 77. And uh, it begins like this. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In, that, in, in, in the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. And maybe there's been times in your life when you could identify with what the psalmist says there at the beginning 
of the psalm, I cried unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. My, what a blessing that is. But down the psalm, it says this. After he has talked about the God that he came to, he says this in verse 14. Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. And that's the first title this morning. Our God is the God that doeth wonders. He doeth wonders. Yes, we see God throughout the Bible doing wonders. There's a good exercise for you when you're at home doing your reading. Start at Genesis and see the wonders of God. You know, it begins with the wonders of creation. Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning, and that's an unknown date, in the beginning, God, God was in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That speaks about the God of creation. It doesn't talk about evolution or anything else. It talks about in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. My John and John's Gospel, chapter 1, it, it, it says, in the beginning, and he uses the same phrase, in the beginning, God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and without him was not anything made that was made. My, he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He's the God of creation, the God that doeth wonders. I listen to them on the television, on these programs, trying to figure out about new things that they found out in space and whether there's life in Mars and all the rest of it. And, and my, they go into it. And, and of course, God's left out of it altogether. My dear friends, there's the wonders of creation. All of us are holding a Bible this morning. And that Bible that you have on your lap, or remember this, it's a wonder. That's the wonder of inspiration. The wonder of inspiration. The Word of God is one of the, the wonders of God. Peter, in Second Peter chapter 1, he says, But holy men of God... Speak as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And you see this, this Bible that we have, this word, the word of God, my, it has 66 books. It was written by 40 different authors, 38 men and two women. And it was written over a period of 1,600 years. And yet there's not one contradiction. There's not one flaw. My, it's the wonder of inspiration. And then, of course, when we come into the New Testament and come on a bit, we see the wonder of incarnation because God became flesh and dwelt among us. And you remember how the angel came to Mary and explained to Mary how that God had choose her out from all the young woman in Israel, 
to be the mother of the Messiah. And this young woman asked a very valid question to the angel. She said, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel answered and said, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. And that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And my, the Holy Ghost came upon this young damsel. And a divine seed was implanted in her womb. And God sent his Son into this world through the womb of the virgin. It's a wonder. The modernists and scientists can't explain it. But we believe it. That's the wonder of incarnation. Then, of course, there's the wonder of substitution. And that brings us to Calvary. And I'm going to lay that aside just for a little while because I'm going to deal with that at the table when we come to the table. My, the God that doeth wonders. Creation. Incarnation. uh, uh, Inspiration. The wonders of resurrection. God raised his son from the dead the third day. My, this God is the God that doeth wonders. And this is our God because he's the God of the Bible. And the wonderful thing is this, friends, that he's still doing wonders today. Because today there's the wonder of salvation. Every soul that's saved is a miracle of God's marvelous grace. Yes. My, the wonder of salvation. He he gives you something that you've never had before. He gives you new life. And my, he, he, remember, he does wonders for his people in distress. He does wonders for those who are in the storm. When you pray, and uh, maybe in distress, or when you pray and ask God for something, remember this, when you really pray from the depths of your heart, you're praying to the God that doeth wonders. You're praying to a God who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Yes, This God is our God forever and ever. will be our guide unto death. He's the God of the Bible. The God that doeth wonders. Now, you turn with me now for just a moment over to, uh, over to the, uh, where is the thing here that we have? The God of the, 1 Kings chapter 20, the first book of Kings and chapter 20 in your Bible. And it says here down in uh, number 28, verse 28, here we find that Ben-Hadon has numbered the Syrians and the children of Israel in verse 27 were numbered and were all present and and went with them, and the children of Israel pitched before them like two little flocks of kids. But the Syrians filled the country. You see the comparison between the two armies. 
between the Syrian army and between the children of Israel. They were like two little flocks of kids. But the Syrian army, the Syrian army filled the country. And it says here in verse 28, And there came a man of God and spake unto the king of Israel and said, Thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said, and remember the Syrians were the enemy, the Syrians have said, The Lord is God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys. Therefore will I deliver all this great multitude into thy hand, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. You know, friends, my, the Lord is proving that he's not only the God of the hills, but he's the God of the valleys. My, the enemy had come and had said, you know, God, he's the God of the hills, but he's not God of the valleys, and they were trying to limit God. And of course, there's a whole lot of people today, and they limit God. They say, God can't do this or can't do that. And, and, and that's a thought that the devil wants to put in your heart. He wants you to think that God is limited. Remember this, that God is the God who is unlimited. And my way find here that it's a great thing when you're on the hilltops of life. And the enemy was saying that God is the God of the hills. He's, He's a great God when everything's going fine, when there's no problems. But when it comes to when things are going wrong and you're in the valley, my, he's no good to you. He's the God of the hills, but he's not the God of the valleys. The hilltops of life is a great place to be. There's the hilltop of praise. The hilltop of praise. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. There's the hilltop of power when you're experiencing the power and the blessing of the Holy Spirit of God in your heart and in your life. There's the hilltop of his presence when you're conscious and have that consciousness of the Lord's presence with you. But friends, we'll not always be on the hilltop. There'll be times when we'll be in the valley. That's what life is like. It's full of hills and valleys. But God is not only the God of the hills. He's the God of the valleys also. This God is our God. The God of the valleys. You know, when Israel came out of Egypt, and God brought them out under Moses... You remember how they traveled through the wilderness for a bit and there was a mountain on this side and another one on that side. Parath, Harath, and Baal-Sephon was the two mountains on either side of them. And the Red Sea was before them. And then Pharaoh decided to follow after them. And we find now that the children of Israel are surrounded. They're in what you would call a tight corner. My, 
there's no way out of this predicament. The enemy was getting closer. And you remember that Moses said to them, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of God. And you remember how that the sea was parted and they went over on dry ground. But when the Egyptians sought to follow them, my, it, it overthrew their enemies. You see, friends, God made a way through for his people. He, 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 he made a way through for them. They were in a tight corner, but God brought them through that situation. He, he, he did something that they never imagined he would do. And you know, friends, God can make a way through for his people. Maybe you have a problem in your life or in your business, and you wonder how you're going to get through it. Or maybe you're in a tight corner this morning as far as, as money is concerned or whatever. You know, friends, God can make a way through when everything seems impossible. For the things which are impossible with man are possible with God. You remember my when uh, the Joshua went up into the uh, in, 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 into the fight with Amalek. And when he was fighting with Amalek in the valley, my Moses held up his hands to God. And when Moses held up his hands to God in prayer, Joshua prevailed over Amalek with the edge of the sword. God, my, he's the God of the valleys. And when David went out to face Goliath, everything was against David. Uh, Goliath was bigger than David. He was stronger than David. My, he was better equipped than David. But the thing was that God was with David, and David slew the giant with a sling and with his stone, because God is not only the God of the hills, he's the God of the valleys also. Yes, friends. My Daniel was in the pit, and the lions were hungry. But God shot the lion's mouths. You remember that David says in that great psalm about the valley of death, yea, though I pass through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And as you and I go through life, there'll be valleys we have to go through. There'll be times when things are difficult. But remember this, that God is not only the God of the hills, he's the God of the valleys. He's the God of good times when you're on the hilltop. But he's the God who's also a conqueror and a deliverer when you're in the valley. This God is our God forever and forever. Let me do one more for you. If you would turn with me to the, back to the book of Psalms and Psalm number 46. 
Psalm number 46. Uh, they're one of the great psalms that we have. And remember that Psalm number 46 has a title to it. And it says, A Song of Alimoth at the top of it. That word Alimoth, it just means for soprano voices. For soprano voices. And it's believed by the scholars that the woman in Israel sang this song when their men folk went out to the battle. They were left alone. They were left alone exposed to the enemy. They were in danger. And, 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 and they sang this song, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, and though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, and though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy places of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God shall help her on that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted, and then they said this, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And they repeat that at the end of the verse, the very same words, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. These women, my, they were trusting God to keep them and protect them and be with them. And here's another title that belongs to God. The God of Jacob. God is the God of Jacob. And that's a very wonderful title and lovely title because you know I'm sure who Jacob was. Jacob was a supplanter or he was a twister. My, he he deceived his brother. He wanted to take away the birthright from the brother. He, he was crooked to the day that he was born. He stole his brother's birthright He deceived his father. He hoodwinked his employer with the speckled sheep and speckled cattle. And this is the the character that, that Jacob was. He was always grasping after. He was always looking for the supremacy. He was always working in the energy of the flesh. But you know, when we come to the book of Malachi, it says this, that God loved Jacob and hated Esau. You know, friends, God loved Jacob in spite of him, in spite of who he was, in spite of what he was, in spite of his faults, in spite of his failures. Yet God loved Jacob, and God is the God of Jacob. He's the God of Jacob. And he not only loved Jacob, but he blessed Jacob. In Genesis 32, 
when Jacob wrestled with God at Peniel. And you remember that the Lord had to touch his thigh and, and, and cripple him in, in order to get the, the, uh, to overthrow him. And you know, friends, when we think of it, when we look at ourselves, you know, there's a bit of Jacob in all of us. God sees our faults and knows our follies. But in spite of our shortcomings, in spite of our failures, in spite of what we are, God loves you this morning just as much as he loved Jacob. He's the God of Jacob. The God of Jacob, and he's the God who blessed Jacob. It says he blessed him at Peniel. The Lord blessed him. My friends, this God is our God. This is the God of the Bible. My, I could go on this morning. Time is gone. Uh, If you want to follow this line of thought, remember that Elijah stood uh, before the king Ahab and said, As the Lord God of Israel liveth. He's the Lord God of Israel. And remember when Elisha took the the place of, of Elijah as the prophet, and he did the, his first miracle. He stood at the river and he cried, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? He's the Lord God of Elijah. And in Matthew we read that he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of the living. Brethren and sisters this morning, this God, the God of the Bible that you read about, He's our God. He's your God. He's my God. And he will always be our God. He'll always be there. He'll always be there. Even unto death. May we trust him this morning. May we get this God into our mind and and see his greatness, majesty and might. What a God. What a wonderful God we have, and bless God, he's our God and always will be, right until we meet him in glory. We're going to sing our closing hymn just now. It's number 60, and it should be on the mortal, invisible, God-only wise, in light and accessible, hid from our eyes, most blessed, most glorious the ancient of days, and then it says, Almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise. Let's really sing it from our hearts this morning as we turn our eyes and get to know the greatness of our God. Amen.